podcast. I'm Nick and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hey everybody. So today we're going to be continuing with the Kilds of Ravnica set review. Last time we got most of the legendary creatures and main deck cards. This time we're wrapping up with the last two legendary creatures and maybe 20 or so main deck cards that we want to discuss. At the end we're also going to wrap up with the top five <laughs> Guilds of Ravnica cards for Commander because we do think that there are a lot of potential new staples coming out of this set oh yeah definitely Definitely high power level so we're going to begin with the legendary creatures and that means we'll start with etrada the silencer etrada is two blue black for a three five vampire assassin etrada can't be blocked and whenever etrada deals combat damage to a player exile target creature that player controls and put a hit counter on that card that player loses the game if they own three or more exiled cards with hit counters on them Atrana's owner shuffles Atrata into their library. This card looks like an attempt to make a legendary creature that you would put four of in your standard deck. Mm-hmm. That's what this card makes me think of when I see it, because this is definitely not built for commander. Yeah. <laughs> like, any commander that requires you shuffling it into the deck better have a gimmick better than, like, hope you draw it out of your, like, 99 other cards and mm-hmm. then play it again like something better than that yeah fortunately in commander you can always just redirect to the command zone from getting shuffled into your library yeah but still you've got to do a lot of work to avoid having to just recast her and pay the commander tax again yeah and that's the other thing is if you do end up just putting her in the command zone it's gonna become increasingly unreasonable to kill anyone yeah like three per player in a multiplayer game when you're already dealing, like, nine unblockable commander damage, at that point you kind of wonder, like, would it just be easier to go Voltron? And the answer <laughs> is yes. <laughs> for those of you who are entranced by Atrada, we've got <laughs> some tech for you. So the best thing you can do with Atrada is just blink her with the ability on the stack. The exiling will still resolve, but you can get her right back onto the battlefield without having to shuffle her away. So things like Deadeye Navigator, Essence Flux, Siren's Ruse, those are all decent ways. Yeah, those are probably the best ones. You could like dig a little deeper if you're like really reaching. There's like Illusionist Stratagem, which draws you a card. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think that if it's not one of the cheap instants, then just Deadeye. You just like probably don't go in for the kill till you have a Deadeye. Deadeye is probably the easiest. Maybe you could use Sakashima to so that you have oh, yeah, so you a creature have with the same ability but a different name, so you can like get multiple hits in faster. Oh yeah, you could. I'm trying to think of oh Helm no. of the Host. Yeah, An- oh, another Helm use for Helm of the Host. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So there's a couple ways you can kind of cheat on it. You could also use the the Tuning Fork, Stranic Resonator. Oh, yeah. Get two, um, two for one. Copy the triggered ability. Yeah, that's not the worst. There's a couple ways to to make it happen, but it's <laughs> it's not easy. No, for sure. I doubt that the path that Atrata tells you to follow is going to be more efficient than just slapping like an imperial plate or something on her. Yeah, going to town. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting one. We were kind of looking forward to a commander that surveilled multiple times. Yeah. Uh, that would have made a bunch of cards into a deck, and mm-hmm. this does not. So, yeah, good art aside. Yeah, the art is fantastic. 
Moving on to <laughs> another legendary creature. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Tajik Legion's Edge, which is one white red for a 3-2 human soldier. He has haste and mentor. He also has prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to other creatures you control. And you can pay red and white to give him first strike until end of turn. This is the theme. I, I realized this like after listening to the last episode about the spoils. They basically just made all of these for standard. Yeah. It is just the theme, except maybe Niv-Mizzet, which is, like, pretty... Uncastable. <laughs> uncastable, yeah. Um, like, this is specifically so you can attack and hit him for, like, six or seven on turn three mm. with Tajik and your mentor and whatever. You go Tajik, and then you curve into your Aurelia. Yeah, and so this is specifically for standard, which uh, is pretty sad here. This also is anti-Goblin Chain Whirler. Mm-hmm tech so you can not have your 3-1 mentors or whatever get just dead by a a goblin so but uh really the coolest thing when you see prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt uh you start that sentence and you go oh cool like an earthquake and then you go two other creatures you control yeah and you get a little upset because very disappointing that's like one word ruins it yeah because that is a thing that red white should like get their hands on that is something that i think makes them interesting is that it deals damage and can prevent damage yeah so this is a really concise way of like utilizing that exactly like Fire Song and Sunspeaker, the ability is very cool, and like the playstyle it engenders is very cool, but paying six for your commander before your deck can do anything mm-hmm. is not cool. So it was really exciting to see a three-cost commander that, if you skimmed it, <laughs> looked like it did the same thing. It almost was cool. But then you find out, oh, no, I've got to like give this guy indestructible, or given protection from red. Yeah, yeah. These things aren't impossible, but they just make it a lot harder for your deck to do something yeah. that wasn't super powerful in the first place. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden you're like three mana commander, which was super efficient and good. Now you have like this stepping stone. It kind of comes back to the Firesong and Sunspeaker problem of you have to spend a bunch of mana before your deck takes off. Mm-hmm. So that's sad. Yeah, I definitely don't like commanders that require you to um, get a whole bunch of things done before you can start playing the game. Yeah, that sucks. Last time we talked about Ravnica spoilers, Tajik had not yet been been released, and we were kind of hopeful that we'd get a, a cool, interesting red-white commander, and then do you, do you think we, we got what we needed? <laughs> no. <laughs> this, like, almost was there. Like, I actually was almost really happy, like I said. like It's I... one word off from being like, oh, this is like a Kind of a, a lower-to-the-ground version of Fire Song and Sunspeaker. Yeah. yeah, something cool, something interesting. You, like, play with a subset of cards that you don't normally get to play with, but instead it is more just attacky, like the Mentor, Haste, it's just get in the red zone. It's not super interesting. Yeah. And then also you have to pay two to give it first strike, like... <laughs> some kind of insult <laughs> yeah i mean in terms of like a voltron commander it's got really only like one one thing going for it which it well i mean it's cheap that helps and yeah and it has haste but it doesn't really have evasion yeah doesn't have a way to protect itself and then like three power for three mana is not an insane ratio no. so it's it's missing a lot of the things that a voltron commander really needs to shine and it's unfortunate that they like decided to put those points of power that they could have spent on things maximizing the Voltron power of this card 
on like mentor which is not something you really want to do in commander oh yeah especially if your commander lends itself to a voltron strategy you don't you don't care about dealing damage with other things no yeah and then like the preventing damage to your other creatures is also not something that matters on a voltron commander you want something that protects itself rather than protecting others yeah it's pretty pretty heinous so yeah Um, the one thing i could see really using this card is like if there's anything like shine wind where you can spend counters to get resources oh yeah 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 that's true i mean maybe at some point in time we'll get something like that that was kind of one of the things too is the same with like the surveil where there's just didn't really put out a card or commander where you could play the surveil cards and it makes a deck Mm -hmm. this like there isn't anything that incentivizes me making a deck with mentor like mentor just seems like it works or it doesn't yeah there's not really build around with it and yet we have all these like kind of middle of the ground mentor cards it's like pretty lame (laughs) (laughs) it's not very fun really like they didn't really give us an angle so for commander and and it's a shame because like atrada like yeah i don't really think she's that great of a commander but they tried to do something very interesting and different from what lazav was doing whereas tajik feels like more of the same for aurelia like they're both kind of efficient bodies that highlight mentor and i don't think we needed two of those there is a little bit of hope possibly on Mm -hmm. the horizon so gavin verhe tweeted like somebody basically complained to gavin about like wow all these boros commanders are boring and it's the same thing over and over again yeah and which is a valid criticism yeah (laughs) yeah i think so and so he uh tweeted uh thanks for the note we know boros needs different kinds of commanders with ravnica the boros are about attacking and that's why tajik and aurelia do what they do but if you want non-attacky red white legends fear not there's some good stuff not far on the horizon smiley face Mm -hmm. it's exciting to see that like that's on the horizon that's cool but that's still unfortunate that they had to spend both of their commander slots on yeah on on just like standard stuff yeah whereas like lazav and atrada like you can see how they synergize with surveil but it's very subtle and they both do very different things yeah and that's actually uh, this is a point that um other people have been giving me criticism on before when it comes to like standard and commanders basically the idea that like you make a commander for standard you can't make one for commander or Mm -hmm. like they're mutually exclusive which is definitely not true yeah (laughs) like that's actually one of the things i think that argument is just kind of a sign of i I do think there are designs that you can make for standard that don't work in commander and vice versa like there are definitely designs where they don't overlap but when it comes to legendary creatures i do think it's possible to make more legendary creatures that work for both formats Mm -hmm. i don't think that that is an impossible task uh or like even that hard of an ask really like you can if you have an interesting legendary creature for standard and what i mean like it does something interesting in standard like look at most of the dominaria legends like most of them did something even like grun at least he is a commander you can like you give him trample and you build around him yeah which is tajik is not anywhere near his build around it's a lot of just like red white aggro a lot yeah. of the same cards you see in other decks and it's and it's still a strategy that doesn't really work in commander yeah and it's still a strategy that doesn't work in commander so it's like like that's the most heinous thing about the monotony of red white commanders is like not only are they all the same thing but most of them just 
don't even work. Yeah, like they're not it, efficient enough. Like non-token, non-Voltron aggro is not good in Commander. Yes. It's, it's just not. And to have all these Commanders like point people in the wrong direction in a weak color identity, mm-hmm. like you have your cards are weaker than most the cards in most other colors and your strategy doesn't really work that's really just exacerbating the problem i wouldn't yeah. care nearly as much if we had like five variants on fire song and sunspeaker because that's like a cool and powerful line of play that's why i would totally accept tajik if they just move that, word. that one word yeah, yeah. Because at least a larger proportion of the red-white legends would be playable, even if they aren't different and unique. Sometimes we get down on things, but <laughs> it's only because we care. Yeah. And overall, this set has a lot of goodies for Commander. Yeah, Mitchell. there's so many things. We're going to get into them now with Citywide Bust. Yeah. <laughs> so Citywide Bust is a one white-white sorcery. Destroy all creatures with toughness four or greater. What do you think about this card? This is great. This rewards you for building your deck a certain way. This already like slots into certain other decks pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's cheap. It's a good way to keep the board clear. Fatties are pretty common in Commander. So if you're doing something a little bit off the normal like beaten path, then this is a cool like way to wrath that rewards you for that, basically. It's it's interesting. I really like this. Yeah, I've been a big fan of Retribution of the Meek for a, a long time. And this is similar in a lot of ways. It doesn't synergize nearly as well with, say, Doran, the Siege Tower. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of decks that, are, that can break the symmetry on this pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So, for example, token decks... Hate bear decks, white decks that just run a lot of cheap value creatures, or like green white decks that their whole early game plan is like dropping elves and accelerating. Yeah. And city wide bust is no, there's no way it's ever going to touch those. Yeah. So I think that there's a decent amount of archetypes that this is going to see play in. It's also great in um, like Alesha builds mm-hmm. that, I mean, I know some of those creatures have like four toughness, like Master of Cruelties or whatever, but the majority are just like. Two twos or whatever. Yeah, yeah, two two X's that are pretty small. Yeah, so there's... I think this adds a lot to the format. I'm happy that we're getting closer to a critical mass of these board wipes that are cheap and, like, don't touch the small creatures to, like, incentivize weenie decks. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Next card I wanted to talk about is Crush Contraband. So this is three and a white instant. Choose one or both. Exile target artifact or exile target enchantment. I think that the the obvious point of comparison here would be return to dust. I don't know about you, but I've been like less high on return to dust over the past couple years. No, I definitely have. It used to be like the sweetest thing. You'd yeah, be like, like, oh yeah, get those two things. But now it just seems like it's like a chore. Mm-hmm. Or at least lately when I've been running it, I've been like cutting it in favor of other things a lot of the time yeah like i'm spending most of my turns mana on this yeah yeah exactly sorcery speed like i think that people are moving towards the most efficient answers and crush contraband really doesn't line up well compared to things like wear tear yeah no that's totally true Mm -hmm. which eh, well (laughs) yeah but it, I thought it was worth addressing. No, I definitely think so. Anything that, like, it's a two-for-one just on its own. Yeah. Which is great. So the next card is Dawn of Hope. 
So Dawn of Hope is one in a white for an enchantment that says, whenever you gain life, you may pay two. If you do, draw a card. And then it also has three white, create a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token with lifelink. Uh, I'm very excited for this card. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, in the, the first EDH rec deep dive podcast we did, we talked about how it would be great if white had more and better rewards for life gain. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's a way to convert life gain into cards, which, you know, white is always starving for. Yeah. The activated ability doesn't seem that relevant, but in, say, a Karlov deck, all those Soul Warden triggers, like, allow you to refill your hands. It's super awesome. And and I do actually like the activated ability in so much as, like, worst case scenario, you can start drawing cards with this card. Yeah. Like, worst case, everything gets wrathed and you top deck a Dawn of Hope, you're like, okay, like, I can continue to play again where, like, it used to be. You draw a white card and you're like, okay, well, I play this and hope I top deck <laughs> something else. So this is, I, I'm just like this card all around. Yeah, it's uh, it's also sweet tech for, say, Aloro or mm-hmm. um, Combal, Console yeah. <laughs> of Allocation. It's definitely going to be like a roll filler, but there are a lot of decks, especially in black-white, that are going to be really happy about this card. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. The next card we want to talk about is Divine Visitation. Three white-white enchantment. If one or more creature tokens would be created under your control, that many 4-4 white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance are created instead. I don't think it's super good. There's like some things that are super awesome and cycling Decree of... Decree of Justice. Decree of Justice and getting a bunch of 4-4 angels anyway. Like Stuff like that it's super good with, but the fact that it's like play this play that means it's not really gonna get you there too often so there's a couple things i don't like about this card um one is that it's a really bad top deck so it doesn't do anything for the token armies you already have on the board with with token decks i think it's a lot better to like try to get your like you know cast your conqueror's pledge or increasing devotion fill the board with tokens and then, like, the next turn, after they've lost their summoning sickness, that's when you drop the anthem and bam. Yeah. I, I think another point of comparison for this card would be Cathar's Crusade, which mm-hmm. Cathar's Crusade is awesome if it's the first thing you cast. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also a bad top deck. I think that Divine Visitation in particular doesn't compare that well to maybe, like, devout invocation Mm -hmm. or something like second harvest there are just better ways to use your tokens to get more power on the board i think this is an interesting card in i can't even think of that many commanders that make tokens off the top of my head that are white well there's uh there's like amara um yeah there's amara um but yeah, they're, they're, that's the only time that I could really see this like shining is mm-hmm. when like you have a consistent means of token production, which in Commander is usually your Commander. Yeah. Maybe like Derevi? Derevi is not a terrible one because most of Derevi's token producers are things that are like on the board and then tap and activate to yeah. it. So that's a little bit better because you can just play your like Thraben Doomsayer and then use yeah. Derevi and like double your tokens every turn. So when you drop Divine Visitation, you already have your engine, your token making yeah, engine in place. Going. I think that that just illustrates how Divine Visitation is 
going to be more of a niche card as opposed to jam this in every token deck. Yeah, definitely. Quick niche card. It's it's Hazda Marshall, which is a one cost one one human soldier in white. Whenever Hazda Marshall and at least two other creatures attack, create a one one white soldier creature token with lifelink. Yeah, I like this guy. <laughs> He's particularly good in Jazal Goldmane lists. Oh yeah. <laughs> because Jazal Goldmane is all about getting as many bodies as possible on the board on turns one through three, mm-hmm. casting Jazal on turn four, and then activating Jazal on turn five and swinging for, you know, forty or more damage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Hazda Marshall is not only like a one drop creature you can get down incredibly early in those first three turns of the game. But he'll also produce additional bodies. Yeah, no, I totally like that for the same reasons. Just like this is a good way to kind of make sure with one mana that you're keeping people, like keeping bodies on the board. Mm -hmm. Another brief mention, Burglar Rat is one in the black for a 1-1 rat. And when it enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card. So I was doing a little... uh, research and almost 40 percent of the 700 plus marinara (laughs) lists are running ravenous rats and so this seems like a strict upgrade and i wouldn't be surprised to see that fill that role or potentially be run alongside ravenous rats yeah next one is spicy yeah super spicy so this card is plague crafter it is two and a black for a three two human shaman when Plaguecrafter enters the battlefield, each player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. Each player who can't discards a card. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, this is just kind of better Fleshbag Marauder. You can set up a scenario where it's not better, but yeah. like when you have to try that hard, I, th- I think you're fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, Fleshbag does have zombie tribal synergies going for it. And, yeah, and sometimes like maybe there'll be a scenario where you would really rather kill their creature than their planeswalker. But in the vast majority of the cases, this is just going to be a fleshbag marauder that always gets you a card out of your opponent. Yeah, yeah, which is the coolest part about it. Yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on this guy too. I definitely have decks where you're running like merciless executioner, fleshbag marauder, just every single one of these effects. Mm-hmm. So this guy is definitely a good version of that yeah <laughs> nice addition i'm happy i'm definitely happy to see um getting closer to a critical mass of that sort of effect because cmc three or less is is interesting you've got your sun titan you've got bishop of rebirth yeah order white clay there might be something going on there and i'm actually really excited to see if the orzov play in that space a bit more yeah because in previous sets we've gotten um Orzov Charm, we've gotten Immortal Servitude. Recently, we've had some sorcery in Guilds of Ravnica that was black that reanimated creature with CMC1, CMC2, CMC3. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, white has gotten a lot of like CMC2, CMC3 reanimation lately. So I'm wondering if that's going to be a place that they play in with the Orzov, like the overlap yeah. between the two colors. I would like to see that, too. I think it'd be a cool space. Yeah, that would be really exciting, especially since we've gotten so many powerful cheap creatures lately yeah. like uh plague crafter or the bounty dude whatever his name yeah. is <laughs> all right uh next card i want to talk about is experimental frenzy yeah this is three and a red enchantment you may look at the top card of your library anytime you may play the top card of your library you can't play cards from your hand and pay three and a red destroy experimental frenzy yeah this is a hilarious card for so many reasons and i love it so much 
it is an interesting way for mono red to get cards yeah it, it's funny because like that's it's very simple like each of those sentences is very clear as to what it does mm -hmm. and it's interesting that it took them this long to print a card like this this is definitely really good in munda ambush leader yeah you finally uh, did it munda yeah so munda ambush leader from battle for zendikar Whenever an ally you control, uh, an ally enters the battlefield in your control, you can look at the top four cards of your library, put any number of allies back on top in any order, and then put the rest on the bottom of your library. Mm -hmm. So basically, he makes it so that you have all allies on top of your library at all times. So with this card in that deck, you can just cast pretty much your entire library's entire worth of allies. Yeah. yeah. So that seems really powerful. This is the kind of thing that I've been hoping to see where they're like, Printing in color pie rewards for red, which is like red. I'm I'm into that. Mm -hmm. Next card I wanted to mention was Generous Stray, which is two and a green for a one two cat. And when Generous Stray enters the battlefield, draw a card. What commander do you think could make use of this? Arabo mm -hmm. is that the one? That's yep. his name. The uh, cat tribal. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is why I like tribal commanders. I, I know people sometimes criticize, like I don't want wizards building my deck for me. But, like, with really linear commanders, they just allow more cards to be good in this format. Yeah. Like, nobody would be playing Generous Stray unless there was something that incentivized, like, that those specific characteristics. And, That's like, really funny. And, like, Typeline is such yeah. an easy way to do it. Speaking of cards that are good only in a specific tribal deck. The card is Hatchery Spider. Five green green for a five seven reach. It's a spider. And it has Undergrowth. When you cast this spell, reveal the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. You may put a green permanent card with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. As a good stuff card, this is just not going to get there. Yeah, it's just not going to cut it. I think that um, we've seen over the years with like Genesis Hydra or a few other effects like this that Getting stuff randomly out of your library as your value is not worth it, especially when it's attached to like a high mana cost. Yeah. For this amount of mana, you're competing with things like Regal Force, which will like mm -hmm. completely refill your hand. I mean, you're getting close to Tooth and Nail mana. You're getting close to Craterhoof yeah. mana. Like you're very close to winning the game. So getting random value is not that exciting. Yeah, and the, the one other thing about this card is that it is a cast trigger. It's not an ETB trigger. Mm -hmm. So you can't even necessarily farm it by yeah. like flickering it or reanimating, or reanimating it. it or something like that. Like it's specifically casting. And just the undergrowth, the fact that it works based off creatures and graveyard also like yeah. limits it to a very specific subset of decks. Yeah. I think that Ishkana decks will probably play it because it's a mm -hmm. spider that gets value, but the reward just isn't really there for any other commander. Yeah, and I think it is kind of building into the thing that most Ishkana players wanted mm -hmm. to do, which is, like, fill up their graveyard so they can spider spawn. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that this is a fine addition to that deck. Yeah. The next card is one in a green for a 3-2 Insect Warrior with Reach. It has Undergrowth. When Crawl Harpooner enters the battlefield, choose up to one target creature with flying you don't control. Crawl Harpooner gets plus X plus so until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Then you may have Crawl Harpooner fight that creature. As a two-cost, three-two warrior yeah. that could potentially get some value, snipe a Birds of Paradise in the early game or something, I think it has a pretty good shot of getting into um, Najila decks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
Najila is really interested in playable two drops so that you can go two drop Najila, swing with your two drop and immediately get a warrior. And this, like I said, could potentially get value and three power for two mana is not... Yeah, not the worst thing. Not the worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> so next card is a pretty solid one. It's Camaraderie. Yes. This is four green-white for a sorcery. You gain X life and draw X cards, where X is the number of creatures you control. Creatures you control get plus and plus one until end of turn. So this card does three things, and which is the most relevant? <laughs> yeah, no, this is just another copy of Shamanic Revelation or... Collective um, Unconscious. Collective Unconscious. I think that's a probably more apt comparison being that it's six mana because mm-hmm. those other things yeah, i don't care I don't yeah care. i don't care about but drawing cards equal to number of creatures i control i have a bunch of decks that want to do that so yeah green white has plenty of token decks many green decks are reliant on mana dorks mm-hmm. to accelerate you in the early game so it's so it's going to be pretty easy for you to build up a respectable board presence to the point where camaraderie is just whoop new hand of cards yep it's yeah, it's really not that hard. You get a lot of floaters. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple cards in this set that it's just like slightly better versions of existing staples. Yeah, that, yeah, definitely. <laughs> a lot of power. Next card is Chance for Glory. It's one red white for an instant. Creatures you control gain indestructible forever. <laughs> Take an extra turn after this one. At the beginning of that turn's end step, you lose the game. Yeah, so this is Final Fortune with some more fun tacked onto it. Mm-hmm. I think that this card does exactly what it wanted to do. It's just splashy Final Fortune. Mm-hmm. And it does have a lot more play. The fact that your creatures are indestructible. Like, if you go, like, Chance for Glory, like, attack you with my team. Next turn, attack you with my team. Like, that does seem a lot more reasonable to actually win mm-hmm. a game than just, like, do this thing, also Final Fortune, next turn which is kind of just like another draw step in a red deck. Like the fact that this does make your creatures indestructible, I think is like non-trivial. That said, I think it's pretty niche still in the same way Final Fortune yeah. is like pretty niche. We're getting close to a critical mass. I would really like to see where we're at in, you know, five years. Because currently <laughs> we've got Final Fortune, Chance Encounter, Warrior's mm. Oath, Glorious End, sort of, Chance yeah. for Glory... Like, once we get to maybe 10 of these effects, and then it would be awesome to have, like, a red commander that was, like, Sundial the Infinite. Yes, that, I think that would be great. Because, like, red has, you know, a decent number of, like, Kiki-Jiki, Heat Shimmer, Twin Flame. There's so many cards that create temporary copies or temporary bonuses for red. Um, and they might end up doing more things like Felden, that's, like, temporary reanimation, Shallow Grave type effects. Mm-hmm. Feels really in red's color pie. Yeah. So maybe if they print enough effects like that, then there would be enough to justify having a commander that's just a red X Sundial the Infinite. Yeah. To give a home for all these sorts of things because some of them are really powerful. Yeah, and I do think people were kind of upset because it didn't say end of turn. Like, is this a typo? It's like, stop. Stop <laughs> complaining. We got a cool toy. Like, stop complaining about it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You're not going to have memory issues if, like, whether you win or lose is going to be determined one turn from now. Yeah, yeah, like, whether you win or lose is going to be over pretty quickly after you cast a chance for glory. So, yeah. like, what do you mean, like, you're going to forget that your guys are indestructible? You're going to be it's, like, oh, yeah, the chance... top card in your graveyard. It's clearly <laughs> visible. Yeah, like, you and your opponent just looked and went like, oh, man, it's on now. And, like, it's, I, I don't know, I think that argument's pretty silly. Yeah. 
just a few more cards to go through. One is Mnemonic Betrayal, which is one blue-black yeah. sorcery. Exile all cards from opponent's graveyards. You may cast those cards this turn, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast those spells. At the beginning of the next end step, if any of those cards remain exiled, return them to their owner's graveyards. Exile Mnemonic Betrayal. Yeah, it's um, Yags will, but you don't have control over any of the things. <laughs> this definitely feels like it was trying to capture what Yag will was maybe intended to do. Yeah, yeah. Like it felt like you know back in the old days before developers knew what they were doing, Yogg's will was intended to just be like, oh, I can get a whole bunch of value off these Doomblade or Terrors, yeah. I guess, as the case may be. Um, rather than I'm going to cast Dark Ritual so many times. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, going to tutor and ritual and ritual and tutor and tutor and ritual and you're dead. But this seems like it could, uh, especially if you're in like a tuned metagame with a lot of really efficient removal, Swords to Plowshares, yeah. Assassin's Trophy. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like this could be a great way to A, hose your opponent's graveyards and B, just get pretty decent amount of value I think this could have cost one less, honestly. Yeah, they could have been more aggressive with it because I don't think it's going to break standard anytime soon. Yeah. I think people are going to force it anyway, even if it's not necessarily the best thing for their deck in particular. Mm -hmm. I think the card's splashy enough to where people are just going to see it played. Yeah, people do like playing their opponent's cards yep. instead of their own. It's certainly, uh, I mean, this card's going to be like one or two dollars. It gives budget players an option to get to play with powerful cards without necessarily having to own them. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's not actually as expensive as I thought it was. Five bucks, you know, a week before the pre-release. Yeah. yeah. It'll probably set it lower. Yeah, definitely. Interesting thing to note is, uh, did you notice that Demir got four Mythics? Yes. Yes, and yeah. that's that's what I, I really do think that um, it's Wizards being like, we're so sorry. <laughs> we're so sorry, please. like do... Two blocks of terrible mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. So this is their their gift. They're like, please, please don't hate us. Yeah, and and some of them are pretty good. Like that demon's mm -hmm. insane. The, the demon the is insane. Is going to be relevant in uh, limited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely hope to open the Sphinx in my sealed pool. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. The next card I want to talk about is Thief of Sanity, which is one yeah. blue black for a two two specter. It has flying, and when it deals combat damage to a player. You can look at the top three cards of their library, exile one of them face down, then put the rest in their graveyard. For as long as that card remains exiled, you may look at it, cast it, and spend mana as though it were many of any type to cast that spell. People have been talking about this card a little bit. I don't think it's particularly powerful. Yeah, it's like, um, I like the variant on the specter. Um, mm -hmm. I like how they have thought up of specters over the years. Like what they look like, what the abilities could be. Mm -hmm. um, this is not... They, they've done this kind of thing before. I think last time we were in Ravnica, we had a specter like this, right? Uh, Night Veil. Vale. Yeah. yeah. Um, that just kind of steals cards. So I don't think that made too big of an impression. I don't think this is going to either. Yeah. I, I mean, if you really think about it, like assuming that the card you get is something you can use like spot removal or something mm -hmm. this effect isn't that much better than like sealer of secret or i, I guess it'd have evasion like yeah. some some version of that effect with evasion but still it's not incredibly powerful i think that this is going to need something like say specter tribal before it really gets there mm -hmm. yep i agree yeah 
And it's also, if you think about using it in your mill deck, three cards per turn for one opponent is not going to get there either. Yeah. And the last card, actually, is Thousand Year Storm. This is four blue-red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, copy it for each other instant and sorcery spell you've cast before it this turn. You may choose new targets for the copies. This is really splashy and big and crazy, but I don't actually think many decks are going to want this. Mm-hmm. Just it's like at such a high price point that it's like can't really be busted. Kind of like a swarm intelligence. Yeah. Like that, if it costs cheaper, would be like an incredibly busted card, but it's like seven or eight or what, seven, I think. Yeah. So it's the same thing here. Like if every single one of your cards just has storm, that's really strong. But if you have to get this down and then do that. And then untap with it. Yeah. Then so you that's, have access to your mana. Then you that's know? not really the best thing for you. Yeah. I think that like the blue red storm decks that could most take advantage of this thousand year storm Mm -hmm. already have commanders available that like give you not quite as much power but enough that it doesn't matter yeah no that's definitely true (laughs) like if you're playing mizzix then you're gonna cast her on turn four and then by like turn five you'll have built up a ton of experience counters and if you can't go off on turn five you'll definitely be able to go off on turn six so before you can ever, like, get down Thousand Year Storm, Mizzix has already probably won you the game. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, another example would be Niv-Mizzet Parun. Like, he just gives you so many cards that, you know, your rituals and stuff become cantrips. It's really easy to combo off from there. And the thing is, once you have the choice between, like, okay, I have six mana, am I going to cast this Thousand Year Storm... Or am I, would I rather like cast Niv Mizzet and then have this Thousand Year Storm be any other spell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That said, I think it's good in like Melek. Yeah, um, it's like decks where you're kind of uh, grinding for value and stuff, which I think is only really him. Yeah, and as far as like spell slingy. Yeah, red, he's blue. too he's too weak to really let you go off in yeah. the way that like. Um, Mizzix kind of solves your mana problems forever, and yeah. uh, Niv-Mizzet kind of solves your, like, gas yeah. problems forever. Like, Melek is not powerful enough on either one of those metrics to to just combo off, win the game. Yeah, so I think this is, that like, slots into him pretty well. Yeah, but but I think, like, yeah. the, the main point is just having a commander, having a legendary creature leading your deck, it's essentially a card that's always in your hand. Yeah. So duplicating it so closely is not that great it's just kind of a dead card in your hand because you've already got something else that does that fulfills the same purpose yeah yep i agree so those are all the main deck cards we've completed talking about the set i'll I'll give you my top five and then if there's anything else you want to mention yeah no let's do that these are all cards that aren't legendary that i think have a the potential to be new format staples number one is assassin's trophy which I, I really think is going to find its way into just about every green-black deck in the format. Yeah. And for those who don't quite remember, who haven't yet gotten familiar with it, it's yeah. green-to-black, instant, destroy, target, permanent, and opponent controls, and then they can search their library for a basic land and put it onto the battlefield. Really, really efficient answer to anything. Literally anything, yeah. Really, in Commander, you want your answers to be instant speed so you can respond to stuff like well i'm gonna tooth and nail for this kiki jiki and the zealous conscripts yeah. so that's probably the number one most impactful card i expect that to make it into like 
the majority of decks with that color identity. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely agree. Another really impactful card is Knight of Autumn. Yeah, same kind of thing. I think it's just any deck in those that color identity is going to play this. Yeah. Reclamation Sage is a format all-star, does a whole lot. Harmonic Sliver also does a lot of the, does yeah, a lot of the that same, same thing. thing. Yeah. So I really wouldn't be surprised if we saw this filling the purpose of like redundancy. Mm-hmm. Especially since we're in a singleton format with 99 cards in your main deck. You yeah. need to be able to get your most important effects consistently. Plague Spreader, I think, is the next one that just, like, is going to be in every deck. Like we said, like, any deck running, like, uh, Fleshbag Marauder or Merciless Executioner, it's probably just going to run this guy either in with or instead of one of those guys. Yeah. Any black deck that cares about controlling its opponent's creatures or reanimating creatures or like there's so many decks in which this finds an automatic home as just a better version of cards that are already played. Yeah. Uh, I would also like to to mention Goblin Crater Maker. I think this is definitely going to be a format staple. A Braid has really impressed me since it came out in Hour of Devastation. Crater Maker does a lot of the same things. You are losing out on a a point of damage but in exchange for that you get the opportunity to hit eldrazi or <laughs> ugin yeah no i mean just really really any problem like the the karns the devoid permanence like it just is a much wider field of things you can blow up and then of course being a creature is yeah and being important. a goblin being a creature being a goblin being a warrior for yeah. the gila that's yeah. <laughs> gonna easily find its way into those decks so I've already got four decks that I know Crater Maker is going into, and I'm probably just going to buy an additional playset on top of that yeah. <laughs> just to be safe because I just know... Just to never that, run out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the, the fifth card most likely to become a format staple is going to be Citywide Bust. Yeah. Uh, so I, again, this there might be a little bit of a mismatch between the power level of the card and the community's ability to recognize that power (laughs) but i think it's very strong and there's a lot of decks that can really make use of it well to just completely wipe everyone else's stuff and look i have a bunch of three three tokens Mm -hmm. how cool is that yeah no the potential for like a lopsided board state with that card is pretty nuts Mm -hmm. like it's symmetrical but like really really not (laughs) (laughs) a couple honorable mentions i want to give a shout out to beast whisperer Doom Whisperer as well. Couple Whispers. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bounty Agent, Sinister Sabotage. So, Beast Whisperer. I think it's great because it's just a an easy way for you to get late game value off of your elves, turn them from bad top decks into pretty decent ones. Yeah. Doom Whisperer is really efficient stats, and then a great role filler in. Um, like any, sort of, any sort of self-mill graveyard deck just does a whole lot. Reanimation even, just yeah. <laughs> getting targets easily in there. Bounty Agent is a, a unique effect. Mm-hmm. It's a way for white to control creatures on a recurrable body. And Sinister Sabotage is... Like, there's almost 10,000 decks in the format playing Dissolve, mm. which is, you know, three cost, counter target spell, scry one. And this is... and given that Surveil is mostly better than Scry, mm. this seems like it should at least make it into that many decks, the, the yeah. nine 
9500 or so to yeah at least as a replacement for that card yeah sorry that's 9500 decks on edh rec so that's yeah, our usually metric. our metric for determining how frequently a card is played really if there's something else that you guys are thinking of or if you want to add in uh let us know this is a pretty informal list <laughs> <laughs> um but something that is interesting because this set is a pretty high power level yeah compared to a lot of other sets and they just kind of cranked it on a lot of kind of effects we've seen before yeah it definitely felt like this set in many ways is not very innovative yeah definitely not uh like the the mechanics most of them are twists on existing mechanics Mm -hmm. the structure of this set is basically identical to that of return to ravnica and key crash and like the cards it felt like development was like okay we got to get people excited about this set here's something that we know is safe and then we just like tweak it a little bit or crank it up a tiny bit yeah i'm I'm not super pleased about it um adding so much good stuff to the format yeah I, i'm i'm also like uh you've heard us talk about it. i'm a little upset just about their choice when it came to pretty much all of the commanders except for like two mm-hmm. <laughs> just the tuning these for 60 card as opposed to commander where they're going to be instantly relevant it's yeah. like it's a little sad like in um dominaria they found a way to make a bunch of legendary creatures that were relevant in commander did they like forget in the intervening yeah, i'm not six sure months what it is because like i said i don't think those two things are mutually exclusive and this is just like I don't necessarily have numbers to back this up. I think that mm-hmm. more people play Commander than play Standard, at least. Just because, like, you get your cards and you can use them forever. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more casual. You can play with your friends. So I think that it's weird when they do stuff like this. Like, prioritize a legendary creature for Standard. When it's going to have a much shorter shelf life than the format that it's going to eventually just be subsumed into. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a really strange choice for them to make, especially when, like we literally just said, they didn't do that with Dominaria. They were able to create these archetypes and like open up these spaces and do all these things with these legendary creatures for Commander and Standard at the same time. So why not now? <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens when the set actually gets out there and what people actually gravitate towards. All right, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>